Welcome back to another episode of 5 a.m. Theology. Chris, last week we were talking about all those laws in the book of Leviticus, 613 laws in the Old Testament. Well, along with those laws, Leviticus contains instructions of the different kind of sacrifices and offerings and seven festivals that God tells the Israelites to observe. Now, Leviticus can be one of the toughest books to get through. There are parts that can seem monotonous and repetitive at times. But one of the reasons we wrote the Bible Blueprint was to help people not just get through books like Leviticus, but to enjoy digging into them. If we approach every passage, even the ones that are really tough to get through, with saying, what is this telling me about God? And if it's in the Old Testament especially, how is this pointing to Jesus? And what application, if any, does this have for me? It really does make a big difference. It really does. So let's look at those seven festivals and answer the questions that you posed about them, Rose. Leviticus 23.2 says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. While God wants his people to obey him and be set apart from the world, he also wants them to enjoy life and enjoy each other. All of the festivals were meant as a time of honor and a remembering God for his mercy and his grace, but they were also a time of fellowship and joy. All the festivals were based on the agricultural calendar. They all included a sacred assembly, which is a worship service and a food offering. After the food offerings were offered up to God, all except for the burnt offering would be eaten by the people. It was an organized potluck by God. Exactly. The first festival listed in Leviticus chapter 23 is Passover or the festival of unleavened bread. Passover lasted for a week and was celebrated every year at a specific time. Passover began on a Sabbath. So the first day they did no regular work. And for seven days after that, they presented food offerings to God. On the seventh day, they held a sacred assembly or worship service. So what does the celebration of Passover tell us about God? Well, Passover, of course, was to remind the people of God's deliverance of them from slavery out of Egypt. But it was also meant to remind them and instill the first commandment in them. In fact, in Exodus 22 to 3, God directly links the two. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, the promised land was filled with pagans. Passover was to remind God's people that he alone was their God. Passover shows God's mercy and grace and deliverance of his people, but it also shows us that God will not share his glory or worship that is due him to anybody else. It's due to him alone. And of course, Passover points to Jesus because Jesus was the perfect ultimate Passover lamb who was sacrificed. Only those who have his blood on their soul covering their sins are passed over from condemnation. This definitely has application for us. Besides a stark reminder that Jesus is the only way to salvation, it's also a reminder that God alone needs to be at the center of our worship. The second festival listed is the Festival of First Fruits. On the first day after the Sabbath of Passover, the first sheaf of grain harvested was to be brought to the priest and offered to God. 
This was the first thing that was to be done. They weren't even to eat from their harvest until they gave the first portion to God. Leviticus 23, 14 says, You shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. So the Israelites had a trust that although they were giving God the first of their harvest, that he would bless the rest and that they would have enough food to eat. What does this tell us about God? It tells us that we are completely dependent upon God for everything. A bountiful harvest, meaning all of the blessings in our life come directly from God and he deserves the praise and gratitude for it. How does it point to Jesus? By offering the first fruit of their harvest, the Israelites' entire harvest was blessed by God. Jesus was the first fruit offered up by God the Father during the Passover. Jesus resurrected on the first day after the Sabbath during Passover. Because of his death and resurrection, we've been blessed by his offering. His righteousness and sinlessness has covered us. Paul says in Romans eleven sixteen, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Jesus is the root and the vine and we're the branches. And application, of course, trusting in Jesus and what he's done for us. But it's also a reminder that God deserves our first and our best, whether it's giving our tithes to church before we deduct our bills out of our pay, whether it's carving out time every day to be in his word and pray instead of just doing it when we aren't too busy or too tired. Maybe it's serving at church where needed and not just when it's something we really love doing. There's a lot of ways we can give God our first and our best. It's giving God our very best and trusting him with what's left. The next festival is the festival of weeks or Pentecost, and it's directly tied to Passover and the festival of first fruits. Pentecost occurred 50 days after the Sabbath of the first fruits and marked the culmination of what started at the Feast of First Fruits. It was a grand celebration at the end of the grain harvest. At this festival, offerings of food and animals to the Lord were really lavish. It was meant to be an appropriate way to thank God for the tremendous bounty that he provided. It was one of three festivals that the people of God were required to travel to a place that God designated that they celebrated. This is because the time of Pentecost was associated with the revelation of God's law to Israel. It was a time to rejoice in the revelation given to them in the Torah through Moses. This is really cool, I think, how this points to Jesus. At Pentecost in the book of Acts, Jews from all over were there to celebrate the Pentecost from Leviticus. But instead of celebrating the law under the old covenant they were given, which could have never saved them because they could have never kept it, the apostles preach the new covenant, the gospel. The new covenant, which does have the power to save because it's not dependent upon anything we do, but what Jesus had already done. And in addition to that, God continues to bless us and give us all we need, much like the harvest of the Israelites. The next is the festival of trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets marked the beginning of the civil calendar in ancient Israel. 
This eventually became known as Rosh Hashanah, which in Hebrew literally means head of the year or New Year's Day. Leviticus 23, 23 to 25 describes this festival as a day of rest, a day to make special food offerings, and a day to, quote unquote, blast the trumpets. They were a call for people to assemble, to hear the voice of God, just as they did at the foot of Mount Sinai. The story of Abraham being willing to sacrifice Isaac was read on that day. It meant to look forward to the day when God would supply a greater lamb who would be sacrificed on their behalf. And of course, Jesus is that greater lamb that they were looking forward to. Ligonier Ministries puts it beautifully. They say, Christians are waiting for the Feast of Trumpets to be fulfilled in its entirety. But Christ, the Lamb of God, has come and by his death has inaugurated the last days, which comprise the entire period between his first and second coming. Since we are now in the last days, the call to spread the good news of salvation is more urgent than ever. So let us preach the gospel to friends and family before the final trumpet blows. Looking forward to that trumpet. Me too. The Day of Atonement is found in Leviticus 23, verses 26 through 32. And I'm going to read verses 27 to 28. And they say, It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. The day of atonement is Yom Kippur, for the people to be brought symbolically and temporarily into the presence of God, a lot of ritual cleansing had to be done. After all of the cleansing on the day of atonement, the high priest entered the Holy of Holies with the blood from the sacrifice that he had made on behalf of the people and poured it out on the mercy seat between the cherubim. This was a temporary solution to pay for the sins of the people. Well, what does it tell us about God? It tells us he's a holy God who cannot be around sin or tolerate sin. Sin alienates us from God's presence. The only way to be reconciled to him is for that sin to be atoned for. Now, atonement in the Old Testament was always pointing to Jesus. The blood of the animals could never pay the price for the sins of man. It had to be a human sacrifice. But every human who has ever lived is tainted with sin and could never be presented before our holy God. Jesus was the only human who ever lived who could be an adequate sacrifice for his people. And the application for us, fall on our knees in gratitude for what Jesus has done. Last one is found in Leviticus 23, and it's 33 to 44, and that's the Festival of Tabernacles or Feast of Booze. Once a year, during the same month as the Feast of Trumpets and Day of Atonement, the people constructed and lived in tents for seven days. This was a joyful celebration. Leviticus 23.40 says, And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. This was a time to thank God for the bounty he gave them in the previous year and to pray for a good rainy season, which was coming from October through March. The Festival of Booths was designed to recall the wilderness journey of the Israelites from Egypt to Canaan when God's people lived in tents or booths. 
It was a way to remember all that God had done for them and not to pat themselves on the back for any success. Living in booths was to remind them that the Israelites only got out of slavery and entered the promised land because of the grace of God. At every feast of booths, the Israelites gave up the comforts of their homes in order to commemorate God's salvation. And this points to Jesus as the ultimate and only way of salvation. It's also a reminder to us that as God's elect, we are called to surrender certain things. We need to give up self-reliance and selfishness. We have to turn from comfort of our sin and the idols that we have in our lives that we cherish a lot of times. We have to repent of those things and turn to Jesus. Otherwise, we can't be saved. So the next time that you're bogged down in some of these Old Testament writings, remember that God has a great purpose for them. You just have to dig a little bit. That's right. And that's a good place to end this morning. Have a blessed morning, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.